Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you were socialized as a woman. Around here, we're all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist life coach, and you've got episode number 23. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Before we get into today's episode, I want to make a quick announcement. This episode is brought to you by my upcoming free online class called What to Expect in Perimenopause and Beyond. This class is going to be a basic 101 introduction to the perimenopausal transition and what you might potentially experience in your body, what might change in your body, and what to look out for if you think that you might be in perimenopause. I'm doing this class because I believe that people of all genders, but especially women and people who cycle and menstruate, deserve to know exactly how their bodies work and exactly what is normal and not normal. Because greater body literacy means that we can better advocate for ourselves from our healthcare providers and from the people in our lives. It also helps us to know when something is not normal or not healthy, so we can ask for the medical care that we need to feel better or maybe just get some relief. So please join me on Tuesday, April 4th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern daylight time on zoom this class is free and yes there will be a replay after i do want to encourage you to attend live because i will be answering questions and offering coaching to anybody who wants it at the end of the class and this is only available to those who attend live you must be registered in advance to attend to reserve your free spot head to michellecapler.com forward slash expect that's michellecapler.com forward slash e-x-p-e-c-t And if you're listening in the future and this class has passed, you can head to the same link to sign up to get access to the recording for free. Again, that's michellecapler.com forward slash expect. And I'll link that up in the show notes so you can find it easily. Today, I want to talk about diet, exercise, and lifestyle tips during the perimenopausal transition. To be honest, I often feel a little bit nervous when I'm talking about this subject matter because as with anything, there's a potential to take this to a perfectionist place. There's potential for people to do these things with the goal of proving their own human worthiness by performing these behaviors to a level that we're told that we quote unquote should. In clinical practice, when I'm working with perimenopausal folks, the first question I ask them is, what brought you in today? They'll often quickly tell me about a symptom that they want help with, like my hot flashes are bad, or I'm having trouble sleeping, or my periods are awful. But without skipping a beat, many of them immediately launch into all the ways that they aren't eating the correct foods. And this might sound something like, oh, I have a sweet tooth, or I like to drink wine on the weekends, or I've been trying to eat fewer carbs. And then they talk about how they know they should exercise more. They've been trying to get to the gym. And then they'll talk about their job and how stressed out they are and how they're letting their stress get to them. And it all comes from this perspective of blaming themselves for their health outcomes and preemptively apologizing to me as their practitioner for not doing it all perfectly. I think it's important to discuss the way our socialization influences the way that we look at diet, exercise, and lifestyle. And for most people, there are a few beliefs that we just have as people socialized as women. We're taught that it is our moral imperative to consistently be working on ourselves improving ourselves. And the goal is perfection, which in most people's minds means no negative health outcomes ever. We're also taught that 
we are in complete control of the way that our bodies behave and exist in the context of our health status. And if we get sick or experience disease or bodily dysfunction, it is somehow directly related to something that we've personally fucked up in the way that we're eating, exercising, and living our lives. And to quickly respond to that socialized belief, it simply isn't true. So can we influence our physiology and health outcomes through lifestyle practices, including food and movement? Of course, there's a lot of well-established research to support this idea, but also human bodies are human bodies. They inevitably get sick and experience disease and dysfunction and they age. So when I'm talking with people about these lifestyle practices that we can use to influence the way our bodies are behaving, I like to ask people to hold both perspectives simultaneously. Yes, your choices will impact your health and your body, but also when your body inevitably ages and breaks down and gets sick and experiences disease and dysfunction, it isn't your fault and you didn't do something wrong. So before we get into the actual tips and the guidance for the lifestyle stuff, I want to talk a little bit about the objective of all of this. And it starts with how we view perimenopause and menopause to begin with. I would like to invite you to consider and remember the idea that perimenopause and menopause are part of normal physiology. It is normal for estrogen and progesterone to decline. And the symptoms that can accompany this hormonal decline are also normal. The degree to which we experience these symptoms like hot flashes and insomnia and vaginal dryness and period issues and brain fog and all of those fun things that you hear about is somewhat influenced by our lifestyle choices, but it's mostly out of our control and based on things like genetics and environment, previously existing conditions, and of course, the social determinants of health. The symptoms that we experience during the perimenopausal transition tend to be highly pathologized in our culture, both by the medical system and by social media and the people around us, because that's how we're taught to think about it. And of course, we want to address anything that's outside of the normal limits of what we can expect during this transition. And by that, I mean anything that's so bad that it's negatively affecting your quality of life or putting you at increased risk for serious illness. But with that said, We also want to keep in mind that most of the symptoms that we will experience during this time in life are normal and don't necessarily need to be fixed. So that leaves us with this question of what is the goal of doing all of this? If not to fix our symptoms, what is the point of these lifestyle efforts we all think we need to make? And the answer can be found in the research. Eating a reasonably healthy diet, getting regular exercise, good sleep, Stress management and other lifestyle efforts do have a positive impact on long-term health, longevity, and mitigating risk for disease. Though I want to say that carefully because these things are not a guarantee that we'll never get sick. In fact, it pretty much is guaranteed that your body will get sick at some point and experience dysfunction and disease. So if I were to sum all of this up into one sentence, the objective is to do the best we can with what we can reasonably and sustainably achieve with our own unique set of circumstances and also to not beat ourselves up and make ourselves wrong when we get some symptoms and health outcomes that are simply part of the package when we live in a human body. Now, I recognize that this idea that I'm presenting of what you might hear from a lot of online experts and social media influencers 
And there's a lot of people out there who are looking to make money by selling you a magic bullet lifestyle package that's guaranteed to result in perfect health, elimination of symptoms, and also you'll be skinny and young and rich forever. This is where my clinical patients get these ideas like, if I just avoid carbs, then my sleep will improve. Or if I just completely eliminate sugar, my hot flashes will go away. Or if I can just find the right type of exercise and do it every day and not fail, my body composition and size won't change or will go back to what it was when I was 20. If you take nothing else away from today's episode, I want you to let this sink in. There is no magic bullet. There is no perfect set of lifestyle efforts that you have yet to discover that will prevent aging and the normal things that will happen when you live in a human body, including getting sick, experiencing disease, and aging. The tried and true lifestyle factors like diet and exercise that have been proven in a large body of research to be effective for giving yourself the best shot at long-term health and longevity are kind of boring and most of them are pretty low cost or free, and you do not need to pay a health coach or influencer to teach them to you. So I'm going to list the top five that I like to suggest that people consider implementing, but maybe not perfectly and maybe not all at once. And of course, keep in mind that these are generalizations. There are always exceptions. There are always considerations to be made at the individual level. And also just to give my usual disclaimer, this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, is not a substitute for diagnosis and treatment from a qualified healthcare provider, and does not indicate the formation of a provider-patient relationship. So number one is eating fruits and vegetables. You want to aim for about between five and 10 servings per day. And the research suggests that the variety and type that you choose is not as important as just simply consuming them in the first place. There is no hierarchy of fruits and vegetables. Try to eat a variety of them, mix things up, discover which ones you like, and just eat those. Period. That's the extent of the advice. Number two, move your body regularly. It does not matter what kind of exercise you do. You want to move your body for an average of 20 to 30 minutes most days of the week. Walking counts as exercise. I want you to really take that in. Walking counts as exercise. You do not have to put on a special outfit for it to count as exercise. You do not need to be at the gym in order for it to count as exercise. It does not need to cost you money. Weight-bearing exercise and exercise that strengthens and supports core health can be especially useful for people who experience perimenopause. You want to find something that you actually enjoy doing and do that. If you hate going to the gym, you do not have to go to the gym. If the idea of doing yoga makes your skin crawl, no worries. Maybe yoga just isn't for you. And also ask yourself if there's anything you're doing in your life that already is exercise. I had a patient come in for a new assessment the other day, and I asked her, what her movement and exercise routine was. And her response was apologetic and full of shame. And she said she knew she should be trying harder, but she wasn't actually getting any exercise. And it was interesting because later it came up in the conversation that she was an ICU nurse. She was on her feet running around for her entire 12-hour shift every time she works. She lifted heavy things all the time, like people in hospital beds. 
What she needed wasn't to beat herself up about going to the gym more. She just needed a mindset shift. The majority of her working days were exercise, and she was definitely getting enough. What we needed to work on with her was taking breaks and resting and eating enough during her shift to keep her energy levels up. So also ask yourself that question. What are you already doing in your life that you could just count as exercise? Because that is a valid thing to do too. Number three, hydration. You want to drink enough water so your pee is light yellow. You don't need to drink eight liters of water per day to be healthy, but you need to drink some. The guidelines for water consumption are just that, they're guidelines. So individual factors need to be taken into account as well. Number four, you want to get seven to nine hours of good quality sleep every night. And If you're giving yourself the opportunity to get seven to nine hours of sleep every night, that is, you're in the bed with the lights off trying to sleep, but it isn't happening, please see your doctor. If you're having sleep difficulties, there may be something medical going on that requires treatment. And number five, we want to consider mental health. This is sometimes talked about as stress management. And the goal under this heading is not to avoid stress completely or never experience negative emotions or to never have a bad day or to never struggle. The goal is to have a relatively healthy relationship with your mental health and your stress. On an individual level, this will look different for everybody and is relative to your own baseline of what mental health means to you. One person's good mental health scenario might look very different from another. And if you're in doubt, you want to check in with your doctor or primary health care provider or therapist. They have guidelines to determine what kind of help and support might be best for you. And if you think your mental health isn't in a good place, but you're dismissed by your care provider, ask for a second opinion, ask for resources, keep asking questions. You are not bothering your doctor. You are not asking for too much. Okay, so that episode was probably a little anticlimactic. Some of you might be disappointed that I did not reveal the magic bullet that will help you always have the body of a 20-year-old. But there you have it, a very friendly and loving reminder that you just have to do it some of the time to the best of your ability, and perfection is not the goal here. I also want to offer another reminder to sign up for my class called What to Expect in Perimenopause. Even if you're in it and you think you know everything that can happen, I would encourage you to attend anyway. I always attend classes with the mindset that even if I learn one thing or get one takeaway or have one insight, it's worth my time to attend. So you can sign up at michellecaplow.com forward slash expect. All right, my friends, that's it for me this week. And thanks for listening. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take this work to a deeper level, let's work together. If you are a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person to help you find a unique and customized treatment plan to alleviate your perimenopausal symptoms and get you the relief you deserve using Chinese medicine. Or if you're looking for support with body image, confidence, advocating for yourself and seeking treatment, or just generally making your life as awesome as possible through this transition and beyond, I can help you anywhere in the world through coaching. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to michellecapler.com and click on work with me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you.